everyone, and welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Frank, here as always with my great buddy, AJ. How are you tonight? I'm doing so good, Frank. Thank thank you. How are you, buddy? Doing great. Um, So, believe it or not, we exist in a universe where time travel is possible, and you're listening to this after... (laughs) WandaVision is over, and you know how it ended, and you're so excited. And so we're moving on to the next pro- part of our projects, and we're going to be covering Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and culminating in the Snyder Cut, uh, which releases uh, March 18th, I believe, on HBO Max, for all you nerds out there. Um, so tonight, or today, or whatever time you're listening to this episode... Uh, we're going to be talking about Man of Steel from 2013, uh, yeah. featuring Henry Cavill, uh, directed by Zack Snyder. Uh, the first movie in the what is now known as the DCEU, uh, but was definitely not known as that at the time. <laughs> definitely not. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we just thought we would uh, break this movie down because it was it was one that we were all very excited about like it'd been a long time since we got a Superman movie. Uh, I think uh, Superman returns is like 2004. Um, and we were hot off of the much loved dark Knight trilogy by Christopher Nolan. So we're like, Oh my God, DC, you can do no wrong. Little did we know that, uh, you know, Marvel, the MCU was going to explode for the next eight years or whatever. Well, um, I think the trailer for man of steel was really, really epic, and it played in front of Dark Knight Rises, mm. and there were two versions. There was one version with Jarrell, and there's one version with uh, Pa Kent, and they're both really epic, and they're showing the flying, and they're playing the score, and I think the trailers are really, really, really awesome. Yeah. Uh, the, all of the marketing for this movie was really, really epic. Um, I'm a huge Superman fan, so I was very excited for this movie. I saw it at our favorite theater in uh, New York City with my whole uh, family on Father's Day, which is when it came out that weekend. Um, It was really, really fun. I think, I'm remembering now, I think this movie was one where we like lost the picture for a while, wherever I was seeing it, and it was like, you know, 20 minutes of the movie or something, just like all I heard was audio and they're like, all right, well, they gave us like three passes afterwards. So like, I think it took me like having to watch it again to really like understand what actually happened. I think that's this movie. It, it's been a while, obviously, but, um, that being said, I've seen it several times now. Um, I, you know, pretty much every time we, we get a new entry, it's like, like the MCU, I, I kick it off. Like, um, I definitely watched, I think, this and BVS before Justice League came out. So um, revisiting it now uh, was interesting. Actually, the really interesting thing was that I watched this, and then a few days later, I watched the pilot for Superman and Lois. Sure. Um, And I've actually watched the next episode of that. I I like that show. I think it's... uh, I have to figure out how to watch it, because I haven't caught it on its live airing. Oh, and it's not on demand? It doesn't look like it is on demand by me right now. Um, 
I recommend uh, the CW uh, app or CW.com, and you could probably stream it, uh, like cast it to your TV. Um, I, I think you could do that, and you could catch up and then schedule the DVR recording anyway. So, yeah, there, that this is a, a different Superman uh, that at the time we didn't think we were going to get. We have Henry Cavill. We thought he was going to be our Superman for years and years to come. Um, and technically he has been. <laughs> technically he has been. <laughs> technically we're going to see him in new footage this year. Think about it. it. So in the time 2013 to 20... I get what is it? So I guess he's about to be in this next movie, the Justice, the Snyder Justice League, right? So right. 2021. So in that, t- so. But before that, it was the Justice League released in 20. Wait, was it 2017? No. 18? 19? Bueller? Uh, ju- 2017. Okay, I thought so. It's been so that it's, long? Fuck. Yeah. So one, so it's going to be four movies. <laughs> like he's done in that time. Think of all the movies like fucking Hemsworth and D- Downey Jr. and you know, Ruffalo. And like they're yeah. all in these different movies. So many more movies. And it's just we haven't gotten enough time with him, you know? Well, even Christopher Reeve, right? Like four movies for that. Like that's what we thought maybe we would get. Or we at least thought we would get a trilogy like The Dark Knight, right? I was just hoping for a good one and two. Yeah. There's sometimes there's great, you know, movie franchises that have great one and two. And, and and there's something to be said for that. And and I would have been really happy with a good Brainiac uh sequel, which I, I'm sure that they always always wanted to do. Uh but this movie uh you know, it it brings some of what you would we'd begun to see in Marvel into the DC universe and it does have a very interesting feel but you know ultimately looking back on it now i did not like it as much me at neither this last watch mm-hmm. i felt like it really drags at, at a lot of different points and then by the end the the spectacle of the destruction like looking back on it it, it just it it doesn't work. It doesn't have the replay rewatch value that other great classic scenes have. Yeah. A- and, you know, b- before we get into the plot game, you know, we were just n- talking about this, like in the lead up to this movie, like there was a lot of discussion that Christopher Nolan was going to be producing it and, you know, being involved in. I-, I just don't understand how the guy who brought us like the real great climax in the dark Knight and also dark Knight rises, like, could like kind of allow this climax to like pass. Well, <laughs> and, and then he's also marked as an executive producer on Batman versus Superman and Justice League. I just like is that just a title and he just got a couple bucks like because we want to know, Chris. Like because he helped like originate the this version of the Superman char- character, like I don't know. It it it's worrying because I'm curious as like what it could have been if he was like really involved or if he was just like consulted with by Zach and this is like Zach's full on idea, which like, and it could be, but I also feel like um, what Zack Snyder wanted to do and what DC wanted to do ended up becoming different things. And that's why at, you know, in two weeks we're going to see his, his Snyder cut and, 
maybe well, fully I, realize what his vision was. Well, I think, you know, Zack Snyder in 2013 and Zack Snyder now are kind of two different characters, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like Zack Snyder in 2013 has made 300 Watchmen and Sucker Punch, I think in that order. <laughs> and, you know, really became this big genre guy doing these offbeat comics and, and game a- adaptations and now you know when he ca- came to do superman uh i think the expectations were you know very very high but what i think was different than seeing you know a, a snyder come in in 2013 than like us talking about you know the beginnings of like who feige was in 2012 after he had done the nerdist podcast right and kind of revealed all the secrets uh-huh like that was so good <laughs> that was so good like like it was uh it was kind of a game changer right it was like let's we thought about it as we had thought about it the whole time as superhero fans thinking that only the director could really influence the studio into making you know their vision of the character a la tim burton or Ally Richard Donner, or even Sa- Sam Raimi, yeah. Sam yeah, Raimi, yeah. Sh- Sam Raimi's a great example, Frank. But then now we get to Feige, who really is like the story creative, but also the producer, the studio, who is yeah. now leading the the story and leading the direction of, of the franchise at large. And Zack Snyder wasn't going to be that, you know, and it, yeah. We never thought we thought it could have been Nolan, but it turned out we were wrong about that. <laughs> well, and that's the thing that we're still seeing with the problem with DC that they they don't have someone that like fully is leading that charge, and we're getting like because it could what, have been Jeff Johns. It, it could have been, and and what we're seeing now is that like they are giving it back to the directors, and they're saying fuck it, we don't want to have this crazy universe. Right, that we need is, to work on all, the directors. And, and so that's why we have things like the Joker and we have uh, the Batman movie coming up. Birds like, of Prey. Yeah, it's all all kind of standalone. And which, you know what? If they can make movie be, better movies, that's that's great. Unfortunately, Man's, Man of Steel was supposed to also be that. And time has not done it justice. Hey, <laughs> Frank. All right. For that, you're playing the fucking plot game. Oh, man. I thought you would. All right. All fine. right you're up. So the plot game, as if you if you don't know, we did on the James Bond podcast, which is uh-huh. where we're going to sum up the plot of uh, this movie in as few words as possible. And Frank, you have Man of Steel from 2013. Go. <laughs> so. Movie opens on Krypton and it's near its end. Cal, uh, Jor-El sends Kal-El to Earth, as always. <laughs> Krypton is destroyed, not before sending Zod and his crew to the Phantom Zone. Cut to 33 years later. Clark Kent is a grown man, just becoming Superman. Zod wants to kill Kal-El and take the Codex so he could make Earth into a new Krypton. Fighting ensues. 
Superman saves the day, but at what cost? No, good, good job. <sighs> uh, that was hard. Yeah, that was really hard. Um, so you have one of the notes you said was scientification. Can you talk to me about that? What, what does that mean? So um, what I mean, it's like on, on two sides of it, like I, I also I like it and I don't like it. So what I mean is that they show Krypton from the start and like I really like what they did with Krypton. I thought it was cool. I think making it like this cool sci-fi world that it's just like way more far advanced than our society and they have all this technology. I bought into that. Um, but the, what, what they made it be was that it's like, okay, now we show this baby and they sending him to earth. And I obviously I know like the story of Superman and like how that's very much part of the comics, but like, they're like leading into like his, his physiology and making it like, oh yeah, because he's on earth, like his, like his visions, like wonking out and his like, you know, the way they show it in, in the movie of like of his powers manifesting and it feeling like this very real, like very body horror kind of thing. Yeah. Instead of it being like, Oh, he's just got superpowers now click. Um, and so while I like what they did on, on Krypton and sort of a little bit with the manifestation of his powers, like what they end up losing though, is when they, when um, Zod and his crew come to earth immediately makes Superman less special and they, because they show how quickly Zod can adapt and have these all these abilities. And I also know that that's part of the, the canon, yada, yada, yada. But like Superman is just coming into his own here. Like, it's not like he's been a hero for years and years and years. They've shown him being a loner. They've shown him only have having these like small acts of heroism over the course of his life and he's only like finally revealing himself to the public. Like right. he's not been training. He doesn't know how to fight. He's like only knows a little bit about his powers. Like he should have gotten his ass fucking handed to him. If, if Zod like was able to like have these powers manifest immediately because like Zod's like, I have been trained my life. I've been bred. The genetic DNA in my body is to be a warrior. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it makes sense that like he's got these powers, but it like that's why I'm torn about it. Like I like it. I think it's cool and sci-fi-ish and, and making it less mystical, but like it's hard to believe that it took Superman, Kal-El, like all these years to really hone his powers and then Zod just can do it like from the get-go. Right. So I, I think, you know, what they're trying to, you know kind of note is he's just like so blinded by rage in that scene that yeah. he's able to like overcome, you know, the inhibitions that the powers may, you know, present themselves as. And he's just like in that flow, ragey state, destroying Metropolis. Um, right. But yeah, I, I totally feel you. I, I like the scene with young Clark. I like some of the scenes with young Clark. I think that they do a good job of the body horror stuff. I think is a, a good way to put it and, and a different spin on it than we've seen before. Yeah. Uh, what I don't love about this movie, I think in particular is the non linearness of it all. But then I also mm -hmm. consider the alternative, like you, we've seen 
you know, the origin story of Superman, you know, a few times, uh, or you're, or most people would be, I would say familiar with the origin story of Superman enough that they wouldn't be, you know, shocked by what they're seeing in the, you know, see, seeing on the, in the movie in a nonlinear fashion. But I think that if they had gone linear, we would have said like, Oh, it's so traditional. Like it's so boring. Like, why didn't they like make it more exciting and like and shake it up? So, yeah, I, I, it, but it's also it is linear, like it, in a lot of ways too. Like it it starts to like fold on itself a little bit by like the first half of the movie. It's it's happening like sequentially, and then like the events are are looking backwards, and but then like the second half of the movie, it's pretty much linear for the rest of the way. Um, I I just think like. If if they wanted to tell the, it in a fully non-linear way, they could have shown him being like Superman and being this hero, and that this like that Earth is that they love him and he's helped them in so many ways. That by the time uh, Zod shows up, like yeah, it, it makes sense for everyone to be like, yeah, just give him up. We don't care. We don't know who this guy is. <laughs> like right. it's just so weird. It's interesting to me that. You know, Michael Shannon is just like he's just he just goes so big. He goes so big. You know, like I know he goes big on Boardwalk Empire, but like this just feels like he's like the biggest actor in the world. You know what I mean? And like <laughs> if you think about like you know, like to your point earlier that like this is Superman's like one of his first fights. You know what I mean? It's not even in Superman one and two like. In Superman 1, like, the threat is, like, he just moves a missile to outer space, and then he learns he can, you know, fuck with time, and, and he reverses time to save Lois Lane. But the second movie is where he fights Zod. And then if you think about the fight with Zod, like, in that movie, it feels very hokey, and you're like, oh, if they have these, like, superpowers, like, they could do some real damage. So, like, that could be a kind of redeeming quality or a redeeming way to look at what's going on in man of steel, like the real reprehensible craziness of what these guys could do. But I, it's still, it's still so, I will find him. It's still so silly, you know, and (laughs) it's just, it it takes us out of it. You know, had they gone with, you know, maybe a little bit less, just a little bit less, not don't change anything else. Just like, you know, just a lot, a lot less. <laughs> what do you think of Michael Shannon? Yeah, he he's intense, man. Like I I get that Zod as a character is intense. Um, it, it just like it's like why why did you have to go and kill Jor El? Like I know that's part of the thing and he's supposed to do it. But it's like the the fucking planet's like about to explode. You don't have to stab him. Like just like he's gonna die no, anyway. I feel you. Uh- <laughs> And then I, the other thing I'll say is like the I I watched the I guess it was two seasons of Krypton, the show that they had on Sci-Fi, which I think probably took a lot of cues from this movie actually because it was very science fictiony, um, and they had Azad on there played by Colin Salmon. He was uh he was actually in one of our Bond movies. He was the uh, in the James Bond, uh, the Pierce Brosnan era. He was like his Charles guy. He's like whatever. He was like an intense Zod, but he was also like sympathetic. And I think that's what maybe Michael Shannon's take is lacking. Like he doesn't, you don't understand why his, like 
like he's yeah. bred to save Krypton. That's what he says. It's like this is part of my DNA. Like that doesn't make any fucking sense, man. Like just like it's your job to to like keep your people and and, and make the Krypton move into the future, but you're also doing it at this huge cost. Like it, it just doesn't track to me that he would be so willing to just have like genocide on earth because you don't see his like sympathetic side when he's on Krypton at all. No, definitely not. Bum, bum. Definitely not. Um, do you think, what do you think about Amy Adams? <sighs> you know, it's weird because again, this movie in the past, in my other viewings of it, I had more positive things to say. In this take, I was not a big fan of her this time around. Um, I like her as an actress, and I think in some of the other things she does, she's pretty great. But I just she's don't given re- some of the worst lines of di- of dialogue in the history of cinema. So, so <laughs> I, I literally screamed out loud when she said these two lines almost back to back. Said, "If you guys are done waving your dicks around or measuring dicks or something, vulgar." Crazy thing for her to say. Two lines later, but what if I have to tinkle? <laughs> like, like it's so fucking weird, man. It's so, so all weird. over the place. Um, I I feel bad for her. You know, like it, it had to be rough to like you know be like okay, um, we gotta say these crazy crazy lines. I know that she she apparently really wanted to be uh Lois Lane like all of her life. Really? Which is interesting, okay. but I think that that's also okay, and I think ultimately she's she's a pretty good Lois Lane, in that like she's very convincing as being a plucky uh, reporter. Yeah, I, I think you know everything that you see when she you know goes to to the Ar- or it's, it's Arctic, the wherever they find. Like that whole scene, that like that's good, and like as a reporter on the case trying to find Clark, like all this time, right? It works really well. Um, I just, yeah, there's just some something off, and and I don't know if I don't know if they have great chemistry. Um, that's in, it's an interesting take. I, I that's interesting that you say that. I I think that she's pretty good with him. I don't know if he's good with her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just feels like when he's supposed to be a part of those those scenes, he feels like weird. And he's always looking away. He, he's like, <laughs> <"Whoa."> <laughs> fucking Luke Skywalkering all the time. Where are you? Like, where are you looking? <laughs> Is there donuts over there? What's happening? Yeah, he, he doesn't realize what he has. Focus, right Henry. Focus. <laughs> uh, you know. Okay, so I think. Easy, uh, <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White, I think, is pretty fun. He's, yeah. I think, he's good at he's he plays the character well. He doesn't need any bullshit. Um, right. I, it's weird that he's now also in the MCU. I forgot about that. I was like, whoa. Well, the, the crossover rate is high. You know, yeah. uh, wh- who else? Uh, I I like um Russell Crowe and the Israeli uh lady who plays. Like uh, Lara L or who L is who? What's uh, her name? Oh, his mother. Yeah. yeah, I like. Yeah, they're they're good. I I actually really like Russell Crowe in this movie, which is 
like something that I. It's weird that Russell Crowe is so good in this movie. Yeah. Like he kind of does really class up the joint when he comes in, which is a weird like role for like Russell Crowe to do. You know what I mean? Like he does really play this character very convincingly. And I think I would have even like loved a a Jor-El movie. You know what I mean? Like where he was just like doing crazy shit as the scientist on Krypton. Like that would have been really cool. And I like all the stuff when we see him as like the hologram or whatever you want to call yes, it. Yes, the, the um, memory thing. And he does really, really great work there and like interacts with, with, with Clark and with Lois. And that's all awesome. And it's like surprising that it works so well. Um, yeah. I think an, another really great player is uh, Kevin Costner. Yeah, Kevin Costner rocks in this movie. Um, he rocks. Oh, it's devastating. Yeah, he's great. He's really. Um, good. I think it's a unique take on on the origin, right? Like, or the, or his his death, right? Yeah. Like I, I I like that it's like, he could have been saved, but he was looking out for his son, and um didn't think that the world was ready f- to see him like and manifest his powers yet. It would just wasn't that time, you know what yeah. I mean? And I think he felt you know, would have felt selfish and saying like, this is the moment where we reveal it and we start all these problems to save me. Like, no, like that's not, it's not worth it. You know, we have to go through other stuff, which is a crazy take in and of itself. Yeah. Um, per- it's very sad. <laughs> personally, I think save them, but that's just me. Um, yeah. I mean, those crazy Kansas people, they don't know what they saw. He doesn't have to fly back to the Kansas people. He can just fly away. You know, right. what are they going to do? <laughs> I don't know. You it's know? a it's a movie, you know, um, um, but Diane Lane, Keaton, Keaton, Diane. Uh, is she? Yeah, she's Diane. I think she's Diane Lane. I think Diane Keaton's the lady. Oh, was I right the first time? Yeah, it's Di- I think it's Diane Lane. I think she's a very good Martha Kent. I think she's yeah. very, very good. Um. Yeah, Lane, 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 Lois Lane, Diane Lane, all the way. I don't, um, I don't think she's given enough to do, and I think she overacts the small parts that she has. I also think that they could have used a scene where we were ex, like, more expositing like about him controlling his powers, like when he's a little kid, and her being yeah. like, okay, like you know, and like that would have been a better scene to set up when he loses it, his control in the class, you know, like, Hey, like I'll come and help you. Like we're going to help you through this. Like you're not alone, you know? Um, but yeah. Okay. Uh, who else are the major players? Anybody else we're missing? Um, I like Harry Lennox, um, as, uh, the general, whatever his name is. Although, what they're planning to do with him. I just think of him as the guy from the matrix. One of the guys of Zion. Is he? Yeah. He's one of like the generals of Zion. Who's like against Morpheus. Okay. Oh, I know he's in the blacklist. That's what I know him from more recent years. But, um, what does he do on the blacklist? He's like the director of the FBI or something like that. (laughs) Do you think he looks at a role? He's like, Oh, I'm not the main guy. Fuck it. He's like, I'm the general or nothing. The general or nothing. So the problem, though, like, we'll get to this later. If he is truly the Martian Manhunter, 
Like, why didn't he help? <laughs> he could have done some serious damage and some helping here, but maybe they're going to be like, oh, he like he he replaced him later on. And he was, you know, that that director, you know, they'll died have to do some retcon bullshit. Could, I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Don't. Yeah. I'm. Don't. Don't worry about that. What we. What will be fun, is I think. Uh, who's the. Who's like the other guy? The. The. Who's like the. Um. Like the crossbones looking guy who like runs around. He's like his man is not our enemy. Who's that guy? Do we know who that guy is? He's from like Law and Order or something, right? Oh, uh, Christopher Maloney. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that guy is like a huge part of this movie. I, I know I totally forgot about it. And like, he's a, a big point of like when, when they could start to trust him. And when the movie feels like Thor with, when it like goes upside down, it's like a dark Thor. <laughs> Where's all the humor? Like they're fighting in this small town. And uh, it's weird that like Thor came out first and they decided to do this and make it really like tragic. So now we can talk about Henry Cavill. Yep. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I I think he's very good at um doing the uh action scenes and a, a couple of the Clark Kenty stuff. I like a, a couple of his Clark Kent scenes. But I don't know about like the way he talks as Superman. Um and I think that he just kind of seems very aloof. What do you yeah. think? I mean, he, he spends a lot of this movie brooding, which is not. He's very sad. He, he's very sad all the time. He's not something that that's that's a that's a Batman thing. Um, yeah. And I I mean, I like his like intro scene when he shows up at the base and he's like, oh, yeah, I then he just breaks the 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 handcuffs and he's like, I can see everything. It's a, fa- like, that's it's a fantastic a, scene. That's a great scene. But like once he's like trying to counter Zod, it's just like, I don't know. I, like I, that's like my problem with it. I don't feel like he's Superman yet. He's still learning. Uh, you know, I just think, you know, it, it just was so pulled back. I do think he has like the Christopher Reeveiness of it. Like the, you know, the truth and you know, the American way and all that shit. But I don't think in this movie he was he's re- he's fully baked yet. I think I think maybe you're right. Maybe that's his big problem. Um, yeah, I think to stand alone though, and this is something I, I wanted to talk about a little bit, is that I think like the standaloneness of this movie may stand for good into the future. That if you're not gonna watch, you know, Batman versus Superman with your kid, but you want to watch a modern day Superman movie with your kid. Maybe you would watch this one. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think? Maybe. It's it's hard because, yeah, I think if you want to watch a modern day Superman, you don't have many choices. Because like, if you're like, I don't want to pull up the the Donner movies. They're, they're too old. They're, he's not going to like it. Um, it's kind of hard to do Superman Returns without like the, the baggage of those other movies you're kind of forced into this and unless they come up with something new in the next couple of years or whatever's done on TV. Um, and so, yeah, it, it works. Okay. Like it, you've got an origin, you've got sort of a story sort of, 
Uh, More or less. There, there, there is action, uh, but if it's like, oh, this is your quintessential Superman story, if that's what you're looking for, that's not what you're getting. Um, you have a point. And, and, I mean, I think the action is good. I think the special effects are good. Like those still seem to hold up, hold up pretty well for me. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I, it's just a weird. I feel like they they end up having to like split up Superman from like the major plot of the movie at, at a certain point. Like when the whole world engine thing starts happening, it's like, oh, he's gonna go do that, and he's like not even the main focus. It feels like a side job, right? Like a side character, right? <laughs> Like he's over there doing that thing, and like Lois is all this like action, and all these other characters like they're they're the stakes are high there. Whereas like, it feels like, eh, yeah, Superman. He's got a go blue laser beam thing. in the sky that he's got to fly up into, even though it looks very hard. Right, and you're still gonna fly into it though. This this is the era of the beam in the sky, right? Like. <laughs> How many movies in a row? Every uh, fucking Avengers yeah. and this and every movie after uh, Beam in the Sky for a while. Um, I don't know. I just it didn't feel. And, and maybe it's because like we know he's going to like achieve, uh, you know, and be able to stop this thing. And that ultimately the big fight's going to be against Zod one on one. But I don't know. It, it just seems like it should be should have been a bigger deal or. Or it should have been easier for him to, to defeat it. You know. The or he shouldn't have been sent across the world to do it and be separated from the rest of the cast for 20 minutes. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Uh, I don't know. It's an interesting concept. Like, So the main plot of the ending is that they're going to terraform Earth into Krypton by using this thing called a world engine where they, like, fuck with the atmosphere and the density of the planet and when they're doing this uh you need like two ships on either side of the planet in order to do it so he's in india fighting one end of the world engine and, and lois is on the other end and uh yeah I, it does seem very disjointed you know it also doesn't have you know i think Snyder works best when it's like a more simple story or it's a story that somebody else is kind of told that he can kind of, you know, play with. Whereas this, like he had to like kind of create kind of out of whole cloth and like, it, like it's pretty simple, you know, it's not that there's, you know, a ton there. There's no great conflict within Superman yet. And it, I don't know, like, I, I I hope that I would have gone back and been like, oh, this is great. This is like the prequels now. But when I watched yeah. it and it, my main takeaway is that this movie was never set up to be Iron Man 2, right? And I'm going to say Iron Man 2 because specifically Iron Man 2 spun off all of the Avengers or with, with the exception of Hawkeye in that movie, right? You have Captain America's shield. You have uh, the the scenes at the end showing the destruction of Hulk. You have Thor uh, Fury going to Thor's hammer. Uh, you have Black Widow showing up in the fucking movie. Uh, it's all about to get way bigger and crazier. The ending yes. of the movie ends with Fury saying, you're not going to be an Avenger, right? Right. Uh, 
it, it it's all leading to that point. What is interesting about this is that there's none of that going on, right? There's none, any world building you could claim that they could retcon now was an Easter egg at the time. Right. And it, what this movie was trying to do was trying to have an, a solid origin story for Superman. And what ended up happening was they, to me, it feels like an origin for a bunch of sequels that never came. And so they, they did all this work on the character and like the first half of the movie, like takes a long time to get going. And it's like, it's like, when does this movie really get started? Like, even the music, I like, I was like 45 minutes in. I'm like, I feel like a title card is about to drop. <laughs> right. Like, and, and so, like, it almost felt like it would have, it worked well on its own, and it would have worked better if it had a sequel to maybe like an Iron Man 2, right? Like, to, to continue the story and, you know, fully realize what this version of Clark Kent and like now that he's going to be working at the planet and that he's, he's Superman, like now we know what he can be. But unfortunately the way that they, I, and I, I would probably guess it was probably more of the executives forced them down the path of Batman versus Superman, which like didn't make sense in terms of world building, didn't make sense in terms of sequels, didn't make sense in terms of like, just the story because like now that now they're like retconning everything into like, Oh, all the stuff that happened in man of steel. Now we got to get caught up and this is what we went now. And actually it's a new Batman too. It's not uh Christopher Nolan's uh, Christian Bale Batman. Like, no, that's different. We're going to do a new Batman. <laughs> so yeah. Just... And they, you know, we're just like, you have to do this now. And, and <sighs> I remember hearing they were playing catch up. I also think that Marvel was moving at a different pace because they allowed time to build up to an Avengers. You know what I mean? So that in between, like you could have the different producers and writers and directors making winter soldier and, uh, dark world. While at the same time, like you have your team, you know, you have your team working with Joss who's doing Ultron and then you have the people who are developing, you know, Vision and Wanda and, and the other people too. But here, it just feels like it was all so fast and all done so wrong. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm curious to rewatch Batman vs Superman again because I've liked that movie in the past, but I know its flaws. Whereas with this movie, I was feeling very good about it and excited to watch it, and I was like, ugh. I did not yeah. like that this time. That, that that was my reaction. I'm like, I, I agree with you. I think I remembered Man of Steel in higher regard than I had Batman versus Superman. Now I'm a little worried. <laughs> and if the news comes out and it's true that Henry Cavill wanted more money for the cameo in Shazam um, and didn't do it because of that reason, then I think there's two things that happened here. The first thing is he was never given a contract where it was like Robert Downey Jr. where they're like, okay, where you're going to make X amount of movies, but you also have to appear in in movies as well because that's something you tie those guys into and then they're contractually obligated to do it, right? 
But the difference here is I don't think that they did that with him. I think no. that they just did movies. So if they had really, if he had advocated or somebody had advocated at the time to say like, no, we want to do this, um, you would have had him in Shazam. But if he wants to play this bidding war shit, that's just more reason for Warners to fire him. Like I'm pretty sure that they did. And it, I, I don't think I don't think that we're going to get the announcement that there's going to be a new Cavill project, especially after this whole J.J. Abrams thing, which is why it's kind of timely that we're talking about this. I'm sorry that we're just talking about it now, but, you know, the J.J. Abrams uh, new Ta-Nehisi Coast movie with Superman. I, I just found an interesting article today that it's not going to be Clark Kent, that they're going in like a very different yeah. direction. I saw that too. Uh, and, and that made me very happy. And yeah. I think that in the multiverse, we're, we're going to have really good movies. So I think make a good movie, especially after just watching Man of Steel, because like, you're right, this isn't the definitive movie. It's not, which is a shame. And, you know, I, I feel like a couple of years ago, I, I remember us talking about like uh, I, when the news was like, oh, Cavill's out or he's been or like yeah. one of our episodes, you can look back and someone tell us which one it was that we never got Man of Steel 2. And like, I think if we had a Man of Steel 2 or whatever they wanted to call it, um, maybe we would have been able to develop the character more um, and and really lead up into something. I think us as fans, unfortunately, at the time and still now, we're comparing to Marvel. And there's probably a lot of haters out there that are going to be like, you, you guys hate so much on DC. But like our expectations were what the other company were giving us right yeah we're getting this connectivity that is like like what the comic books did and you can have all these interconnected stories and dc they they started with this movie and you know if this one wasn't the best superman maybe they could have led into a better sequel but they didn't do that and then they went and tried to make a, a shared universe and it's really never worked and never got traction and now we're looking back on the whole thing and it's just like this mess of like, what, what do we the, even the like? The ultimate about it? missed opportunities. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what do I like about it? I like the, I like the updated flying. It feels like a, a big like leap into the future of how I imagine Superman to fly on screen. I, yeah. I like the philosophizing about Superman. I think there's too much of it and it's not specific enough to deal with the lessons of watching Superman grow up that make it, you know, those moments like matter bigger. So like almost if there were less big speeches and more like maybe he got into trouble or something happened and like more things happened like that, than they did maybe. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think the, that I'm interested that like, um, the thing that I liked about it is like, it, it keeps my attention. You know what I mean? Like I'm curious to see, you know, I, I think about where what Henry Cavill Superman would do, you know, on his smaller scale, you know, non Avengers level threat. Sorry to borrow the term from the wrong universe, but, you know, non superhero movie level threat, you know, day to day what he was doing. I want to know. I think that's interesting. And that's maybe yeah. why I want to watch this new show, you know? Yeah. I mean, it. it's a good show. It's it's de definitely different take than uh any other show um you know we're more into the future of superman as a character and he's had this whole life 
And now he's into a different stage and trying to juggle a lot of the different things that uh, one has to struggle with when you are a parent and a superhero, as we all have. <laughs> just like I, <laughs> the idea that they're just like they're trying to humanize him more because he is supposed to be so human. Yeah. Like is genius. Do, do that. Lean into that. Like he the, the Peter, the the Clark Kent. You know, him working at the Daily Planet at the end of this movie is that is like the silliest moment, right? It it makes no sense. <laughs> it's bizarre, if anything. You know, it's just like it's so weird. Oh, I gotta be close to the news and this is the best thing I could do. It's like what? how do you what what? You don't have the credentials for this. You don't have a degree. Like how did you just get in this job? Like uh Anything whatever. else you wanna say before we wrap this up? I don't wanna talk in circles. Um, no, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said as we go into Batman versus Superman, like, cause there's, you know, re-looking at a lot of the events. Um, obviously one of the big things that people talk about with this movie is like how, how much destruction there is and it changed it, movies. It changed movies. And, um, it, as you watch it, it feels bad. Like there's a lot of shit blowing up and it's just like it really was the this and uh winter soldier where people started writing articles saying like can we stop destroying the whole fucking city in every fucking movie right and like you immediately have them start to correct for that in ultron yeah you know like that they're already thinking to that next step of like we have to start accounting for you know the human cost right and and it was it would have been huge because and I think that's like understated in that, you know. And they do that Superman, here with Batman versus Superman. Right. Like Superman saved the world. Like right. he really did. And it doesn't feel like he did or he didn't get credit for it. Um, and, and like, I think that that is kind of one of those things that they, they tried to make it feel less hokey and less comic booky. But, you know, in order to like at the end of the Avengers, you have everyone like cheering them on. Like, Oh, they saved my, this uh, Captain America saved my life. And you know, like if it weren't for them, I would be dead right now. Like you have those like cheerleaders. Um, and to see like the human element of like, wow, like this is a huge thing that just happened. And without them, we would all be dead. <laughs> That's why we watch these movies. We want this, like, you know, element of escapism and to see, like if we had superheroes in our real world, like to, to what would that be from, like? What that be like? Exactly. Um, so yeah, that was a big thing. And obviously they address it directly in the next movie because that's why there's a conflict. Um, definitely. So I, it's, it's a shame. I like Henry Cavill. I had liked this movie in hindsight or more, uh, rewatches. It's, uh, not, as high uh, on the list for me. Um, so sorry if, if we, we hated on it the whole time. Um, there are really good elements, but just time hasn't done it justice. Said beautifully, <laughs> my friend. I could not have said it better. All right. So I'm sorry for all the puns, everybody. I'm sorry. My name is Andrew Sherman, also known as AJ. You've been listening to Frank Marsilio. We are the Long Lost Heroes podcast. You can check us out, www.longlostheroes.net. You can subscribe at Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Apple, uh, anything you want. You can find us on 
line at LLH podcast on all the socials. You can email us info at longlostheroes.net. I am AJ. And I am Frank. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.